This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for Episode 37 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Happy New Year to you all. Whether you felt 2017 flew by or you just couldn't wait for it to be over, from a cybersecurity point of view, there's no question it was an interesting year. There was something for everyone, including ransomware, botnets, major data breaches, IoT issues, as well as business and policy concerns. Our guest today is Dr. Chris Pearson. He's the CEO and founder of Binary Sun Cyber Risk Advisors and a familiar voice for those of us who follow cybersecurity. Dr. Pearson serves on the Department of Homeland Security's Data Privacy and Integrity Advisory Committee and Cybersecurity Subcommittee, and he's a distinguished fellow of the Poneman Institute. Together, we'll take a look back at 2017 and try to make sense of what it all means as we head into the new year, what 2018 may have in store for the cybersecurity industry, and how best to prepare. Stay with us. I, I think for all of us, there were many surprises that we encountered in 2017. I mean, first and foremost, who thought that the resurgence of destructive malware uh, would hit us so hard? Ransomware had always been something of uh, that we were dealing with in small parts. Uh, but never was there the ability to take down global companies, take off healthcare institutions, take these companies offline, or so dramatically impact their bottom line in one foul swoop. I think the weaponization of ransomware this past year has been very, very interesting to look at. Uh, you know, it's almost akin to 98 to 2001, 2002, when, you know, malware was being destructive and hitting MP3 files. Uh, that has been expanded in, on a, in a galactic proportion uh, in 2017. I think that the ability of the attackers to really take up our time and efforts in dealing with ransomware has been a success from the attack perspective. From the defense perspective, not so well. Uh, you know, we have $300 million at least uh, that uh, Maersk was reporting uh, uh, losses on. Uh, Merck, uh, some $270 million that they dialed into for their insurance, uh, cybersecurity insurance. So, I mean, these are major institutions that were majorly impacted uh, by destructive uh, attacks. I think we've seen a lot of that in 2017. We'll see a lot more in 2018. Uh, really calls into question uh, not our advanced uh, knowledge of attack, but whether we actually have the basics down pat or not. Um, and that's what is most concerning as we as we uh, take a look back in, in 2017. Uh, I think in addition, you know, the number of types of and severity of data breaches and the amount of dwell time that has existed within those organizations, uh, you know, has been concerning uh, in a number of different areas. The new revolution or revelations from uh, uh, Yahoo, the new information that we got from the Equifax breach, I mean, just earth-shattering uh, breach, not just in terms of the number of people or the, the types of information, but the reverberations that that has for all people involved in anti-fraud efforts, customer identification efforts, know your customer efforts, these databases that serve as the basis for knowledge-based authentication, bank and payment verification, these are the systems that are 
that have been compromised. This data is out there in the wild. It really calls into question how, from a strategic perspective, we deal with those uh, those items going forward in terms of knowing who our customer is, the identity management aspects of, of things. Um, in addition, the politicized environment of cybersecurity in 2017 uh, with uh, was it Russia, wasn't it Russia, the politics of the election, the politics of the attack, and still, I mean, it's January 1st, there's still the news cycle on uh, the impact of the DNC uh, attacks and different hacks during the election uh, still continues to reverberate, and, and many questions are still left unanswered. Uh, those are some of the things that we were dealing with in, in 2017 that I think will have far-reaching uh, consequences uh, as we move uh, as we move forward, uh, and and really impact uh, what we do from a corporate perspective, uh, what we do from a governance perspective, and what we do from a a country perspective in terms of cybersecurity and its impact on critical infrastructures. Uh, even the latest in uh, in uh, mid December regarding the uh, industrial control system uh, hack in the Middle East uh, and the emergence of the Triton uh, malware in that attack. Uh, you know, obviously a successful attack in terms of getting in, unsuccessful in terms of accidentally tripping safety systems, but. When we take a look at what the threat matrix looks like going forward in 2018, uh, 2017, there's a lot left in the wake of 2017, and I think we're going to get and, and hit the ground running in 2018. So uh, a lot of different things to be worried about, a lot of different things that, that we need to talk about, uh, and, and definitely a busy year. You know, it's interesting uh, when you talk about uh, some of the policy issues. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that um, people point to President Trump and they say uh, cybersecurity was something that his administration has taken seriously. And, and despite all of the Russia questions, I think the, the, the notion that we all need to do a better job with cybersecurity seems to be one of the things that uh, is non-controversial in, in a bipartisan kind of way. I think that is correct. I mean, look, cybersecurity is not about Republicans, Democrats, or any other political group that you you ascribe to. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. It, at its base, has two fundamentally, uh, you know, two different groups that are part of it: the ones and the zeros. But that's it. And and we want them to be in balance. We want them to both win, to both succeed. Uh, cybersecurity is not about political party. Uh, not about affiliation. It is absolutely about making sure that those systems that are sacred to us, especially those critical infrastructure systems, are being protected, that we have the right policies in place, we have the right external outreach in place uh, in terms of State Department work, and that we have the right types of response and alerting and communication systems uh, throughout the country, throughout the world. I think that there's a lot that still is left to be done in terms of cybersecurity policy. Uh, we have not yet lived up to the aims of the executive order. Uh, so by that I mean the deadlines that were required under the president's cybersecurity executive order all started to toll in July, August, September, and October. Those are the different timelines that were established that we had. Quite honestly, we've missed just about all of those deadlines, all of them. Hmm. Uh, that I see as being a negative. It's it's not Republican or Democrat. Just we've on paper missed nearly all of those deadlines, and therefore we're going to be late to the game in terms of trying to put in place smart communication systems to battle, smart legal uh, tools to go ahead and 
fill in some of those rough areas and smart uh, defensive mechanisms to be able to deal with and cope with these attacks. I really would wish that we had taken a look back to 2008 and looked at you know, presidential guidance for the 44th presidency, for the 45th presidency just this past uh, year ago, um, as well as some of the other different cybersecurity executive reports that have come out. There are a few notable ones. And taking a look at, in 2017, the low-hanging fruit. The low-hanging fruit is not politicized. It doesn't have any sway with one party or the other or any one branch of government or the other. It literally is the low-hanging fruit. It's the stuff that cannot be disagreed by any reasonable cybersecurity expert. And if we had, in, in the interim of getting full response to the executive order, if in the interim we had just taken care of the low-hanging fruit that's been with us since 2008 and brought that forward, we would have had immense movements forward. I don't think we've lived up to what we said we were going to do in the executive order. I think we've also, from a world stage perspective, uh, crippled the Department of State. I mean, pushing cybersecurity further down into the basement in the bowels of the State Department, forcing the, the individual Chris Painter who was leading that group in terms of the outreach to other countries uh, out of that position, I think is a big negative for our, our policies on a world stage, for our communications on the world stage. So I have some concerns in this area. I don't think that it's over uh, in terms of we should all just fold it up and go home, but I do think we have to figure out, really starting today, what are we gonna get accomplished in 2018 of those things we said we were gonna do in 2017, and what things does it make, to, to, uh, make sense to happen in 2018? What must we focus on? So let's uh, let's switch gears and talk about 2018. Looking forward uh, to the coming year, what is your take on what our stance is, uh, how we're what our posture is in terms of uh, preparedness uh, coming from the last year? Um, where do you think we stand? I think that uh, I think that from a you, know, you really have to break it up in a few different areas. So from a, from a government perspective, I think that we're woefully behind. Uh, I think that once again uh, we should be enacting many of the different recommendations from the reports that we've had for the past decade uh, and instituting the low-hanging fruit, making some changes, making relevant changes, uh, and or trying to go for some of the big bang options. Uh, we have a, a window of opportunity by which global tensions continue to escalate around cybersecurity, and I think we need to pay some attention there. From a corporate perspective, I think that there are, well, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of work that needs to be done. I think, I think a few different things that I see in terms of predictions and the areas that we need to work on. Um, you know, one is the, the, the need for speed, you know, kind of the top gun, I feel the need for speed. The, this, the threats are coming faster. The risks are coming faster. Um, the reverse engineering of exploits is, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, the business case around backwards engineering, reverse engineering, deconstructing, decompiling uh, patches, examining notes on different vulnerabilities uh, by our cyber adversaries is really amazing. Uh, that business process is fast, uh, and we need to be faster in understanding our attack service from a, a surface from a production perspective and a corporate uh, corporate perspective. We need to be better at understanding what's in the wild, and we mostly need to understand its relevance. How is this going to impact us? How does it relate to us? What can we do about it? That threat intelligence component is going to get only more crucial to corporate success. 
in 2018. We saw the same thing. I mean, we had a number of different things in 2017 that people needed to jump on. So the uh, uh, weaknesses in Wi-Fi uh, that need to be jumped on, the expanse of ransomware and the speed at which it traveled, a uh, number of different problems with, as I mentioned before, uh, reliances upon KBA, anti-fraud, and other types of uh, systems. So we need to get faster. We need to be faster. We need to move faster as it relates to threat intelligence and what it means for us so that we are much more poised for a, a, uh, a fight that we can actually uh, win and have success on, especially as it comes from the corporate's perspective. You know, I think uh, many people would say 2017 was the year of artificial intelligence, certainly in terms of uh, what people were putting out there from a marketing point of view. As we head into the new year, do you think that's going to continue? I do. I, but I also think that there's a duality here. So let, let me explain that. So from a defender's perspective, uh, signature-based, exclusively signature-based tools is going to still be an important part of the corporate environment and corporate landscape. Uh, they are part of the basics. They're part of the backbone. Our reliance on it needs to be adjusted depending on what the threats look like and what is happening. We need to do a lot more in terms of the whitelisting and other different controls. But more importantly, we need to make a serious push of using AI to our advantage from a defensive posture this year. I think you saw a lot of folks dabbling in it in 2017. RSA conference was chock full of Everything had AI on the inside. Even my coffee came with AI. <laughs> um, you know, but I think we really need to figure out. You've seen you've seen a little bit of compression in the market, a little bit of consolidation in the market. Uh, maybe some of that was vaporware. Maybe some of that was half-formed ideas, but smart people nonetheless, and they're sucked into larger organizations. Microsoft making a acquisition, Amazon making an acquisition. You have a few different players out there making some smart acquisitions. Even the a antivirus traditional antivirus companies, I should say, uh, served to bolster their own behavioral analytics tools and capacities through the acquisition of some AI leaders. But that's, I, I mentioned the duality. That's AI on the defense side. Um, on the attack side, I think in 2018, we're going to see a lot more use of AI. Some of the big releases in November at the AWS conference were involving AI, AI and cameras, AI and technology. Um, the AI engines and test beds that they have are, are easy to access, uh, very easy to play around with, especially on the camera side right now, very easy to play around with. Hmm. And we see a lot of motion there from the uh, young young startups in the venture community, uh, venture capital uh, uh, community. Uh, but I think what we're gonna see is attackers playing a lot around with AI a lot more. They're gonna say, wow, Instead of just taking me and my knowledge of how to use this attack vector, how to use the common tools that, that I have at my disposal for attack, putting that into some type of programmatic methodology, if you see this, then do that. If you see this, then move here. If you see this, then stop the attack and move over to another area. I think we've seen this, but very much in a you know hard-coded fashion. If this, then that. But no real learning, no behavioral analytics, no behavioral movement there. I think what we're going to see is attackers using artificial intelligence a lot more in 2018. And the only way to combat that is going to be through uh, the use of AI by defenders in terms of spotting that. So this arms race uh, is only going to get more, uh, uh, more uh, combative uh, this next year. But there is a duality there of AI. Hmm. 
You know, I, I, one of the things I think I look back on 2017 and, and maybe a little before that back into 2016 is that the attitude of boards of directors towards cyber threats and towards shifting the thoughts towards risk uh, has, has been real, has, has, has really happened and taken hold. Uh, what is your take on that side of things as we head into the new year? Yeah, this is this is probably one of the, the the biggest areas that cyber defenders, that chief information security officers, uh, need to have their arms around. Cybersecurity is a strategic business issue. Cybersecurity is a strategic risk issue. Um, it always has been, but only more attention is being paid to it now. Boards are very interested, especially after looking at Target, Equifax, Yahoo, even Uber. I mean, Yahoo, you have the entire database is going out the back door and a nice clipping of their price at sale to Verizon. Hmm. Uh, in terms of Equifax, you have a clearing of many different individuals after it's totally unknown uh, what really the cybersecurity risk posture was of that company, of that environment, uh, or I should say retirements uh, that, that happened. Uh, with Uber, you have a uh, gross misunderstanding uh, in uh, cybersecurity as it relates to, uh, you know, breached data, whether legally cognizable breached data or not. Still something that from a private company perspective has immense weight, immense value in terms of the value of the company and the, uh, the monies that were brought in uh, by, uh, by Uber uh, this past year. Uh, so you have a lot of different things that are here. Cybersecurity is not just ones and zeros. Um, but what we traditionally have is uh, CISOs, uh, CSOs that are in the role of cybersecurity that came up through the IT organization. They know the ones and zeros. They know it well in terms of an operational perspective. They learn it a little bit better in terms of a strategic perspective. And they're learning right now how to deal with it in terms of a risk perspective, but only marginally. And I actually don't think that learning how to deal with it from a risk perspective is the end game. It's understanding how cybersecurity is a business advantage to the company, a strategic business issue. That's what the board is concerned about. They want to make sure that the company can succeed, that the company is competitive, that the company has balanced risk. But what they want to know is how can marketing bring our company further ahead? How can partnerships bring our company ahead? How can corporate financing bring our company ahead? And how can this topic of cybersecurity push our company ahead? Now, also with each of those topics is the how could it weigh us down? But it's only one side of the coin. Risk, which is where most CISOs need to be now and, and just aren't, is only 50% of the equation. The other 50% is how can you strategically push business ahead? And for that, we're going to need players at the board level and at the companies that have been in the CISO position, been in legal positions, been in business positions, uh, so that they can serve as an intermediary between the board and executive management. And what I actually think is going to happen in 2018, quite honestly, is there are going to be a lot more uh, folks that have cybersecurity expertise that are business people that are uh, asked to serve as advisors to boards and asked to join boards of directors. Now, this is an area that, you know, in terms of the business judgment rule, people have to be really, really be on their toes on business judgment rule, have to be on their toes in terms of boards and how they operate. I mean, these are different and unique uh, 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 groups of people, different and unique beasts. 
They really are concerned with governance, strategic risk, strategic business opportunities. Cybersecurity is going to be part of this in 2018. And I think what we're going to see is we're actually going to see this go a little bit in terms of the legally required area of you must have somebody for public companies on your board who is a, an expert in cybersecurity. Kind of the way things went with Sarbanes-Oxley back in 2002, 2003. You must have a financial expert on the board. You must have a cybersecurity expert on the board. I just think that there's no way to get around this. And with the right people serving in those levels, I think companies can be much more successful, much more business savvy, and it also would give cybersecurity a better voice. What is your take in terms of the importance of threat intelligence for companies trying to uh, trying to establish their posture to uh, protect themselves? Yeah, you know, it's 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 really interesting how threat intelligence has really morphed over the past maybe even five years. Uh, there's been a, a wholesale uh, morphing of threat intelligence as an add-on if you have enough money to do it uh, to where we are now, which is really a it is an absolute necessity for companies to have cybersecurity threat intelligence baked into their program. And and let let me explain why. With funding being an issue, with resources being an issue, with more importantly, the analytical skill sets and capabilities of those persons that you're employing, uh, that time limit is fungible there. You only have so much time that your people can spend on analyzing and assessing and interpreting the attack surface, things that are coming at them in the wild, and its relevancy to the organization, that there is no substitute for having expert cybersecurity threat intelligence come in as a part of your company's cybersecurity program, and even beyond that, uh, into the development uh, uh, program, as well as the operational program, really this this, uh, uh, sec DevOps model. Threat intelligence there tells you a few different critical things. Number one, it tells you what is happening external to you. So what is really happening out there? You need to know that because you need to then morph and adjust your own internal program and figure out, what does this mean to me? How does this impact me based off of the the types of controls that we're using, the type of platform we're using, what we actually do in terms of our product or service? It's number one. Number two, how does this impact my customers? Three, how does this impact my vendors? And we've seen a large list over the past few years of vendors being the breach point uh, for other companies, and it's only going to continue. So cybersecurity threat intelligence allows us to look at what is happening out there and say, how do I make this relevant to me? How is it relevant to me? And what type of action do I need to take? That's the key here. With limited resources, limited budget, limited time, limited time of our individual experts who serve on our team and know our environments, what do I want to pay attention to? And the only way to get that information is through threat intelligence, information sharing, cybersecurity threat intelligence. has to be baked in terms into the programs now. I think you could have made an argument years ago that it was nice to have. I don't believe that that was true for 2017. I most assuredly do not believe that that's going to be true for 2018. The speed of the risks, the threat environment uh, that's out there are just too big to take on yourself. You need meaningful, actionable advice, meaningful, actionable intelligence so that you can go ahead and take care of business. And it just it simply has to be that way. should have been that way in 2017. I suppose if you're a little late to the game, or you've been running this as more of an ad hoc program, 
This needs to be fully baked into your environment, your team, and team, not just cybersecurity team, the infrastructure team and the engineering team. So operations, development, security, it's got to be. Look at the number of AWS S3 buckets that have been exposed out there over the past year. I mean, the list goes on and on. Fortune 500 companies, some Fortune 100 companies. Making sure that we have the right intelligence passed to the development team, the engineering team that are spinning up these resources so that they know that this is an issue, know that people are searching for this, know that this is a weakness, is worth its weight in gold. We have to get there. We have to bring everyone along with us. Threat intelligence is that important uh, important uh, lifeline for the security team in terms of its partnerships with others, as well as the team itself. Do you think, uh, looking at the new year, we're going to see the same sort of um, rate of investment in cybersecurity as we saw in 2017? Do, do you think we'll see consolidation? What's the business outlook? Yeah, that's a, that's a really important question. I think that, uh, in, and I, I did this uh, about a year ago in December of 2016, and uh, had said that there was a you know a lot of good seed money that had been uh, pushed out there to the market. Uh, there were a lot of good Series A's that were out there, but that it would be a little harder to make the jump into Series B funding. So the larger, you know, eight to twenty million dollar type of funding, um, and that as a result, you would see some market consolidation. I think we did see some market consolidation from some companies that were. Uh, not hitting the ski slope uh, uh, necessarily as fast as they thought. Uh, they were definitely burning more money than they perhaps should have been. Uh, and so you did see some market consolidation, smart market consolidation there. I also think you saw a lot of consolidation uh, around AI. Uh, so those platforms that were touting their AI capabilities, um, but were a little slow in terms of getting you know more than a handful of customers to join them, uh, you know, really were great acquisitions for some larger players in the market. I think that you're going to see some of the same stuff, at least in the first half of 2018. I think in the first half of 2018, we're going to see some of these smaller firms, smaller companies that are in between an A and a B round, or the B round isn't lasting as long as, as they would like, uh, get picked up for the, you know, $50 million to $100 million mark. I mean, $50 million is really a nice area of opportunity for companies to gain a jump on talent, right? You acquire companies because of talent that they have. Product or service, you acquire them to get a faster jump on the engineering and solutions that you want to bring to bear. Uh, and in some cases, uh, you know, customers, if you, they have a, a certain uh, uh, channel or certain sector that they've uh, been more successful in than, than others, uh, also serves as an interesting allure. I think that you will see that continue for the first half of 2018. Um, but I also think that we're going to see uh, a lot of new funding, uh, especially in the areas of industrial control systems, uh, happen in 2018, uh, as well as third-party supply vendor areas, uh, as well as cybersecurity operators. So not the folks that are providing and building new products, uh, something that solves a problem, but folks that are actually solving the whole problem. In other words, you, certain segments of the market, give me your cybersecurity, we're gonna take care of it for you. I think that there are some interesting uh, opportunities uh, there as well in terms of green space. So I think that first half of the year, we're gonna see some of the same from 2017, uh, definitely consolidation, uh, but we're gonna see some uh, new and interesting areas get investment uh, in 2018. I mean. The, the the AWS conference and and you know a lot of this applies out to 
uh, Azure and Google as well. But the ability to push out to the market uh, entire databases, entire engines, front to back, that are cycling around the topic of AI, uh, and I used the camera analogy earlier, um, these are going to start whole new segments of the market in terms of products and services. might not be cybersecurity products and services, but but products and services uh, nonetheless. I think that is going to spur, spur a lot more investment in cybersecurity, in IoT, and in some other different uh, areas as these uh, devices affect both our corporate and personal lives. Uh, but there will be definitely a pickup this year. I want to uh, start to wrap up with you. Let me uh, put you on the spot here to uh, to close <laughs> out. Uh, wait, wait. Do you think in 2018, do you think we're going to gain on the problem? Do you think we're going to lose ground? Or do you think we're going to hold our own? I think what we're going to see in 2018 is uh, a much more calamitous attack than we've seen before. That's on the, the negative side. But I think that we're going to see something where there is a cyber adversary that has an oops happened. They didn't mean to take something down like the Triton attack in, in Middle East uh, uh, or some malware performs uh, differently than expected. I think we're going to see some type of in, uh, industrial control system, uh, critical infrastructure uh, mishap. Uh, it may be that it was targeted, maybe that it was plans for the future. But I do think that we're going to see something that's more real, more palpable there. Uh, I think we're already starting to see that happen. Um, and that may be many different reasons, maybe something that's on purpose, uh, but more likely than not, I think it's going to be in error or by a real rogue group of individuals. I think that that will definitely be to our detriment and we'll be behind the ball there. Hmm. However, as it relates to uh, the potential uh, for uh, home, uh, personal uh, cybersecurity, I think that there's a potential that we become more cyber secure as products become unusable. Uh, in other words, ransomware that if impacts IoT devices, uh, you know, the, just the past uh, week over the Christmas uh, holiday, we had, uh, you know, Sonos and Bose speakers being able to be uh, taken over and rickrolled, <laughs> you know, by third parties. And this is a, you know, these are expensive pieces of equipment. People are outfitting their homes with these types of uh, speakers. And, you know, having the speaker be bricked um, is going to cause the customer market to demand better cybersecurity, to demand cybersecurity baked in on the front end, to demand privacy baked in on the front end for their IoT devices, their connected speaker, connected cars, connected whatever that they have at home. I think that that is going to change, to some extent, the mentality of those companies, of those engineering teams, to be more mindful of cybersecurity as they're building their product. I see that as a positive. I also hope, and I'm very hopeful, that we will start from a government perspective, we will start to push forward on the executive order, start to push forward on the long list of things that we need to do to have better cybersecurity policy around uh, cybersecurity and some change in some different uh, laws in that area as well. And, but you know, every single day I look at the venture capital space here, the investment space here, and I am really uh, enlightened uh, uh, by what I see in terms of the amount of uh, entrepreneurship, the amount of investigation, the amount of curiosity, the amount and degree of creativity that is being expressed by these companies every single day working on these hard issues and by the VC community's willingness to support these different areas. I think that we're actually going to solve a lot in 2018. 
It's going to take us a little while to get there, but I'm actually looking forward to it and looking forward to that continued uh, curiosity and product enhancement improvement uh, that we've seen from uh, many new companies in 2017 and look for a lot more in 2018 as well. Our thanks to Dr. Chris Pearson for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Amanda McKeown, executive producer Greg Barrett, the show is produced by Pratt Street Media, with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.